Good morning, Destiny Church. We are so excited that you've joined us today. We're on alive online, bringing you the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We just encourage you to gather around and get out your Bible. We're going to enter into some worship and praise together. And then we're going to jump into the word and we're going to receive some good word today. So I just want to pray over the service and pray over your home, wherever you are today. Lord, we just thank you for the opportunity that we have to gather around the mighty name of Jesus. We're just so thankful, Lord, that wherever we gather around your name, you are there in the midst. And we just trust, Lord, that as we worship today, your presence will go out and will touch every life and will meet every need that they have in their life, that they will be encouraged, that they'll be edified, they will be built up, Lord, as a result of this service today. And we just thank you, God, that we can come through the, through the media uh, airwaves and bring the good news of your gospel. And so we thank you now, Jesus, and commit this service into your hands. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. So I just encourage you to join right in with us and worship along with us today. God bless you.
wonderful name it is and nothing compares to this what a wonderful name it is the name of sing it again what a wonderful what a wonderful name it is what a Nothing compares to this. What a 
Praise God. Wow. I hope you can feel that God's presence in your house as you're tuning in today, wherever you're receiving this broadcast. That song, you know, what a powerful name it is, uh, the name of Jesus. It's a song that's been around for a while, but every time I hear it, every time somebody sings it, it's just so powerful. Thank you, worship team, for that powerful time of worship together. I want to just give you an opportunity Wherever you are, if you'd like to give to Destiny Church, our mailing address is uh, two, two eight, how, what is it again? 27871, 140th uh, Avenue North, Ashby, Minnesota, 56309. So there's a lot of numbers there, but if you can remember that, that'd be awesome. If you'd like to give something to the church here, we just receive all your gifts and love offerings. And thank you so much for your support. I have a great message for you today that I want to share with you. I thought it was a a pertinent one. I want to talk to you about overcoming fear in our lives. And, uh, you know, every single one of us, we're faced with difficulties that come into our lives. And I titled this message, Nothing to Fear But Fear Itself. And it comes from a statement that... uh, President Roosevelt made years ago when he was being, I think it was his inaugural address in 1933, and, the, and the, our whole nation was, and actually the whole world was gripped by uh, the Great Depression, and people, I mean, there was so much uncertainty, there was so much uh, uh, negative things that were happening, and he just got up and he said, there's nothing to fear but fear itself, and when you think about that statement, that's quite a statement to make. And, but I think what he was saying, it's not that there wasn't problems out there. there. It wasn't that there wasn't challenges. But I think what he was trying to say is, it's a whole lot easier and better to face problems that we go through in our lives. It's a whole lot better, a whole lot easier if we face those problems uh, in a spirit of faith or a spirit of peace than in actually being, uh, being driven or plagued by fear. And so it's so important for us to not allow fear to come into our lives. Now, actually, there are some fears that are good. You know, God has given us the ability to look at situations. And, uh, you know, if we see danger or we see something that might cause problems, you know, that we would advance with caution. And so that's a very good, it's like a natural fear. And then also the Bible talks about the fear of the Lord. And uh, it says, it actually says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But that fear is not like a tormenting type fear. That's a fear that we, where we have reverence or we have uh, respect for the Lord. And so the Bible says that, you know, the, the fear of the Lord or having reverence or awe or respect for the Lord, that's the beginning of wisdom. I mean, you look at it this way, you're not even smart yet unless you have a reverence for God. And so it's so important for us to understand that. But the fear I want to talk about today 
is like a tormenting type of fear that robs us of our peace of mind, our joy and our faith. That's what I want to talk to you about today. You know, the Bible says in 1 John chapter 4, in verse 18, it says, There's no fear in love. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Notice the Bible says here that fear hath torment. That's the type of fear that I want to talk to you about today, is a type that uh, actually torments us. And, and, keep, and robs us of our joy and robs us of our peace. It actually can actually take your life away. We, all you do is just focus on the things that you're fearful of and, just, um, and you just can't really focus on anything else. You're just uh, bound by fear. And there's a tormenting thing that takes place. And anyone who has experienced lasting, lingering fear knows what torment feels like. If you've ever been in a situation where you are afraid, uh, unnaturally afraid, or you have uh, a, a perspective of the future that it's, it's dim or it's bleak or that you have a sense of dread. When, we're, when we experience this type of fear, there's actually a mental and emotional torment that comes over our life. And even a lot of times the things that we're afraid of never happen. And, um, and, and so we're afraid of things that uh, and experience the, the, the actual emotion of the event, even though the event will never happen. And so that's why it's so important for us to resist this type of fear. Um, the Bible says in 2 Timothy, it kind of tells us where fear comes from, this type of fear that I'm talking about. 2 Timothy chapter 1, in verse 7, it says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Here it says that God didn't give us the spirit of fear. He didn't give us the spirit of intimidation. He didn't give us the spirit of dread. But he gave us the spirit of, of, of power and of love and of a sound mind. And God wants us to have a sound mind. And God wants us to feel his power and feel his love. You know, that first verse I use about perfect love, that that perfect love drives out all fear. When we understand the love that God has for us, and we're fully convinced of his love and his care for us, the more we are, 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 that knowledge of his love grows in us, the more fear is driven from our lives. You know, it's interesting how fear has like a family. I used to say this, that um, if fear had a family reunion, who would show up? And uh, one, of the, one of the people that would show up is worry. One of the people that would show up is anxiety, dread, or terror. And, um, and so those are like part of the fear family. And so even you say, well, I'm not really fearful or I'm not, I'm not, um, I don't have fear in my life. But if you worry, that is actually an aspect or a manifestation of fear. Or if you have anxiety, that's an aspect or a manifestation of fear. And so God wants us to be free from fear, uh, this type of fear that I'm talking about, free from dread, free from terror. And he wants us to live a life that's filled with peace. You know, you think about this, for years in our, in our world, there has been what we call terrorists. And uh, there's been terrorist attacks on 9-11 on in America. We experienced several uh, simultaneous terror, terror attacks. And, um, and I, you think about that, we call them terror, terrorists. And, and that's the idea uh, behind these attacks. It is not to get, it's not to destroy everybody or to kill everybody. The idea of these terrorist attacks is to, to ratchet up the fear or the terror in people's life. And so they, become, they, they begin to live in this unnatural fear where they, they're afraid to go anywhere. They're afraid to, uh, they're afraid to do anything because they're afraid that the, something terrible might happen to them. And that's really the goal of the terrorists. I was, I was reading history one time and I saw that during World War II, uh, one of the things that uh, Hitler Germany did they started bombing London mercilessly, and they would use many different types of bombs. Some of their bombs were unmanned bombs, and they had what they called buzz bombs. And what they would do is that they would come over uh, London, and they would make this horrific noise. And it was supposed to cause incredible panic in the hearts and minds of people. And then there was also the damage that was done when the bombs would land, and there was people that got hurt and killed. But, but I just thought how interesting that was 
that they weren't just going for physical damage or physical pain. They were going for emotional and mental anguish. And that's one of the jobs of the enemy is to cause mental and emotional damage to come into our lives, not just physical, but emotional and mental. And so it's interesting how many times the Bible tells us not to be afraid. In fact, I heard one time, and I've never been able to verify this, but uh, someone said that there's 365 place times in the Bible where God says, fear not. And uh, I'm not really sure. I think the person was making the point that, um, you know, if you have, there's one fear not for every day of the year. And so the first thing that when God wake, when you wake up in the morning, the first thing God wants to tell you is don't be afraid. Fear not. That's the very first thing he wants to tell you. Don't be afraid. I got this. I'll take care of this. And um, and so let's just look at a few places um, about uh, uh, where the Bible says not to be afraid. The first one, if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to follow along with me. Um, the first one is Isaiah chapter 41 in verse 10. It says this, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold you with my right, my righteous right hand. Um, and so he says here, fear not. And then he tells you why. He says, fear not, because I am with you. I think all of us should just say that right now. I, that God is with us. Fear not, for I am with you. Why shouldn't we, why should we not be afraid? God's with us. That's why. We shouldn't be afraid because God's with us. Now listen to this next verse. This is a pretty well-known passage. It's found in Psalms 23 and verse 4. It says, now listen to this. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And here's why. For you are with me. It's the same thing that he says uh, in, in Isaiah. He says, I will fear no evil. Even though I'm going through stuff, I'm going through like a valley of the shadow of death. He says, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Thank God that he is with us. Amen. And we can be assured of that. Let me give you another verse here. And this one is found in the New Testament. I like this verse because it kind of tells you how to handle uh, fears when they come. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse, in verse 5 and 6. It says, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you. This is God is speaking. God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can do to me. Think about that. There again, he says, God says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And so that we can confidently say, one translation says, so that we can boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can do unto me. And so all these verses, uh, and there's so many more. I mean, I could give you, I could give you probably 300 or whatever, whatever they say there is. But there's so many of these verses that God says, don't be afraid. Uh, you know, the very, it's like when God, you're in a situation, the first thing God would say, all right, the first thing I want to say is don't be afraid. And, and then uh, he would start to give you, why? Because he said, I'm with you. In the New Testament, not only is God with us, but the Bible says that God lives inside of us. The Bible says that our body is actually a temple of the Holy Spirit. So not only is God with us, but, the, but God is inside of us. And Paul said in Romans chapter 8 that God is for us. If God is for us, who can be against us? And so you just think about that. God is with us. God is in us and God is for us. That's a powerful, those are powerful thoughts when you think about it. So God is working all things together for our good if we trust him and we don't allow fear to get into our lives. You know, it's interesting. I heard a guy say this one time. He said, fear is to Satan what faith is to God. I don't think that's a Bible verse, but it certainly causes us to provoke our thinking Fear is to Satan what faith is to God. If you know anything about faith, and if you study the New Testament and what the Bible says about faith, everywhere, God, everywhere there was faith, God would respond to it. In fact, it says someplace in Hebrews chapter 11, it says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so when God sees faith, he's pleased. 
And he responds. You know, Jesus would say this when he would heal people. He would say, according to your faith, so be it done unto you. Every time Jesus saw faith, there's two things that came out of his, ma- two things that came out of his mouth. One was, your sins are forgiven you. And the, other, the next thing was, rise and be healed. Those are the things that Jesus would say when he saw faith. And so uh, if that's true, that faith, uh, our fear is to Satan, what faith is to God, we don't want to give the, the enemy an opportunity in our lives. The Bible tells us not to give Satan an opportunity or not to give him place. And fear certainly does that. And that's why we need to resist fear so that we can walk and so that faith can, faith can increase. It's sort of like this. If, if, as your fear level goes up, it's your faith level goes down. As your faith level goes up, your fear level goes down. And so you have to make a choice. All of us do. We have to make a choice. Are we going to live in fear or are we going to live in faith? And I just choose, I want to choose to live in faith and I, because I want to please God with my life. Um, and so some people will say, you know, that, you know, that when, you're, when you're gripped by fear, sometimes it's like you can't, uh, you feel like you can't, you don't have a choice. You're just taking your captive. Your emotions are going wild. Your thoughts are going wild. But really, it's still a choice that we have to make. You know, there's an interesting verse here. It's kind of a long passage, but most of us know the story. It's found in Mark chapter 4, where Jesus uh, and the disciples were crossing the Sea of Galilee. It starts in verse 36. If you have your Bibles, you could follow along. And so what happens is that he sends the multitude away, and then he gets into the ship, and he tells the disciples, let us cross over to the other side. But suddenly what happens is there's this great storm that comes up, storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so it's now full of water. And here's the crazy thing, or, or the interesting thing. Jesus is in the hinder part of the ship, and he's asleep on a pillow. He's sound asleep. If you can think about that, they're in really, uh, from their own, the disciples' own assessment, they are in peril, or they're in trouble. But Jesus is sound asleep. And so they wake him up. They say, Jesus, and they wake him up. And then and they ask this question, Lord, don't you care that we perish? And so Jesus gets up, he rebukes the wind in the sea, and there's a great calm. And then he says this. He says to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Well, you know, you think about that. You say, Jesus is asking a question there. Why are you so fearful? Well, um, you could say, well, because the boat's full of water, because the wind is boisterous, because there's this credible storm that's raging against our lives right now, that our lives are in jeopardy right now. That's probably some good reasons why we're fearful. But he, he expected them to have faith because he had said to them, let us cross over to the other side. But he asked them this question, why are you so fearful? So he's, he's expecting them to have faith, even though they're going through this situation, he's expecting them to have faith. And so um, it's important for us. And so it, it, what that kind of implies there is that it's a choice, that you and I have a choice. We have a choice to live in fear or we have a choice to live in faith. He, it seems to, to me, as you look at that, when he said, why are you fearful, that they were they were making a decision to be fearful instead of having faith in the situation. And so uh, I think that if we are going through stuff today in our lives, I think God would say the same thing to us, is that if, if we're in fear, if we're in fear and in panic, uh, we need to start to choose to be in faith. You know, it's interesting. Uh, God would never ask you to be something or to have something that he didn't give you the opportunity to have. So in other words, if God is saying to us, be in faith, be in, even though you're going through stuff, be in faith in the situation, it must also mean that there is a way in which we can obtain faith or that we can have faith in a situation. And so, you know, we can sit around and pray and say, Lord, give me faith. Lord, I just need to have faith in this situation. Or we can actually do what the Bible says. In Romans chapter 10, verse 17, it says, Faith comes by hearing and hearing uh, the good news about Christ. Faith comes from hearing, that is, hearing the good news about Christ. And so here's, it tells us here how faith comes. So we could say it like this. Before, this, before we hear the good news about Christ, 
Faith is not there. But faith comes. And how does it come? It comes from hearing the good news about Christ. And so every single one of us have an, have an opportunity to access the good news about Christ. We have a Bible, and in this Bible we have the story about Jesus. We have scriptures that talk about the life of Christ, talk to us about redemption. They say there's over 8,000 promises in the Bible. And it's, it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 that all the promises of God are yea and amen. And so when God makes a promise, he plans to fulfill that promise to every single person who will believe and accept that promise and, and, and choose that promise over, uh, over uh, contrary viewpoints. And so when the word of God comes to our lives, we have a choice whether or not to believe what we have heard or, or to believe what the scriptures say. And so this is very important. It's a very important point because if we're going to move with God, if we're going to progress, our spiritual life is going to progress. It's impossible to grow spiritually without our faith growing. It's impossible to grow spiritually without our faith growing. Our love grows, our faith grows, our hope grows. Those are things that grow as we're growing spiritually. They're indicators of where we're at spiritually with God, if we're actually growing. And so uh, it's important for the way to see that the way forward is actually the way of faith. And uh, there will always be a faith challenge as we go forward. I want to give you one last story here as I bring this message to a close. But in Joshua chapter 1 and verses 6 through 9, there's a powerful uh, story here about Joshua. And what it says here, what, what's happening here is that uh, Joshua is taking over Moses' place. And Joshua is telling Moses, or Joshua is replacing Moses. And Moses was a powerful, powerful leader. He had led the children of Israel throughout the wilderness. I mean, God, the Bible says that God talked to Moses face to face. And if you read through the, the Exodus and Leviticus and all the, those uh, first few books of the Bible and the Old Testament, you see all the things that God did through, did through Moses. And so he was a powerful leader. And so Moses dies and Joshua is going to take his place. And you can imagine if you put yourself in Joshua's situation, you could imagine all the insecurity that you must would want to feel at that time because you're leading a bunch of people that really don't have a great track record uh, in, in obeying God and going forward. And then you're, you're taking the place of this great leader named Moses. And so you can feel almost the, the uncertainty that Joshua felt. But here God comes to him in, in Joshua chapter 1 and verses 6 through 9. And God says to him, the very first thing God says, be strong and be courageous. Be strong and be courageous. For you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Notice he says it again. Be strong and very courageous. If you know something about scripture, when the Bible says something over and over again, it's really trying to emphasize a point. And again, this is a choice. He's saying, you be strong and you be courageous. Um, and he says it many times in this first chapter. He says it over and over again. He tells them to be strong and courageous. In fact, let's keep reading there. He says, be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night. So, so that you'll be sure to do, obey everything written in it. Only then you will prosper and succeed in all that you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. He says it three times there in, in just a few verses. Then he says, do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord God is with you wherever you go. You can see there that he actually puts it in their hands or puts it in his hand. He says, it's up to you, Joshua. It's up to you to be strong and courageous or it's up to you to be afraid and discouraged. The decision is yours. And so that's, the, that's what I've been trying to say here, is that we have a decision to make. We choose fear or we choose faith. And if you look at this verse, this passage clearly, you can see not only does he tell them to be strong and courageous, but he also tells them where the source of strength and courage will come from. And that's what we need to understand. Where does the source of strength and courage come from. And so he tells them, 
in verse 8, he says, this book of the law, he, he talks about the, the word of God. He says you're to meditate on it day and night. You know, meditation is an interesting thing. Um, it actually means, it means to mutter to yourself. It means to kind of like, they, they use an example of uh, what a cow does when it chews its cud. It kind of, I mean, it's kind of a gross picture, but it says that a cow has several stomachs. I can't remember how many, but it eats the grass or the whatever, and then it swallows it and goes into one stomach, and then it regurgitates it. Isn't that disgusting? It regurgitates it and then chews on it again. I don't know how many times it does that till finally it processes it. And that's the picture that people have used when they talk about meditation, what you ponder, what you think about. So in other words, and what he's telling, what God is telling Joshua here, that if you're going to be strong and courageous, if you're going to be able to, if you're going to be able to lead these people forward into the promised land, what you've got to do, here's the secret or here's the source of your strength. It's going to be scripture. It's going to be what I have told you. It's going to be the word of the Lord. And you're going to have to, you're going to, have to think about it. You're going to have to meditate upon it. You know, the, David said in the Psalms, let the meditations of my heart and, and the thinking of my mind be acceptable in your sight, O God. And so when we think fear thoughts or we think thoughts of dread or despair, those are not thoughts that please God. But when we think, when we think about God's word, we think about what God has spoken to us through his word. We think about his promises and we just sort of meditate on them. I used to uh, laugh at my mother when she was alive because she would mutter to herself. And, uh, you know, she would kind of like talk to herself. And, and I didn't know at the time when I'd tease her about it, because I would always tell her, I'd say, Mom, now it's okay if you talk to yourself, but if you start answering yourself, we're going to have to have you committed or something. Or have, you're going to have to seek professional help. It's like someone going, hey, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing good. How about you? It's kind of like that's just not what we're talking about here. What we're saying is, is, is meditation is muttering to ourselves and pondering over and over again. You know, we're, we're talking about getting rid of fear in our lives, where it says perfect love casts out fear. And so we could take verses that speak to us about the love of God. Like one of the most famous verses in Christendom, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And, and whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And so we could think about this, that that, that love that God had for us, it, it knows no boundaries. It, no, it knows no, uh, there's no confinement. It can't be measured, the love of God that he has for you that he has for me, we can meditate on that. And as we meditate on that, the fear will begin to leave our lives. But I want you to see like this, that this is a decision that we have to make, that every single one of us have to make. We have to decide to choose, to choose faith and not fear. And then also to understand that uh, in, choosing, in choosing faith, uh, where does the source of our strength or where does the source of our courage come from? And we see that it comes from the word of God. And so this is not a mental, uh, well, it, it involves your mind, but it, it doesn't, courage and strength doesn't come from your brain. It comes from your heart. And so that's why we have to allow the word of God to get in us. Because when you look at people in, in the Bible that, was, that were used of God mightily, they had incredible courage. They had incredible courage, but they were also people that would spend time waiting upon the Lord. They would spend time in Scripture, like David when he faced Goliath. He was somebody that he continually uh, meditated and pondered the Scriptures, and he would think about the goodness of God. Um, like Psalms 23, Psalms 23, we quoted from that chapter, but he would, uh, he, he would declare, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want for any good thing. He's declaring... And that's what some of these songs that we sing, they're declarations of the goodness of God, the mercy of God, the love of God. And we're declaring things that he reigns above it all. He reigns above it all. We're declaring that over our lives. We're declaring it over the lives of others. And we're declaring it over our nation. And so it's so important for us to be filled with the word. You know, it says in, I think it's Colossians chapter 3, it says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. I like that. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. It doesn't say let the word of Christ dwell in you barely, 
But it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Well, how do you get the word of Christ in you? You get it in you by, by studying it, by reading it, putting it inside of you, by meditating on it. Uh, just like God said to Joshua, meditate on this book of the law day and night. So as the worship team comes, we're going to bring this message to a close. And uh, I just want to point out to you that it's so important for us that if we're going to respond to God, if we're going to uh, please him, that we have to get rid of the, this unnatural fear out of our lives. I heard an English preacher say this one time. I can't remember his name right now, but he said, fear Faith and fear cannot coexist together. As fear increases, our faith decreases. And the opposite is also true. As faith increases, fear decreases. You know, the, the Bible tells us that our faith becomes active when we, when we, um, when we have a knowledge of the, of, of the love of God. That, that love actually gives, gives action to faith because when we know and think about how much God loves us and cares about us, then what happens is we, um, our, our faith is, is increased. That's why the Bible says that perfect love casts out fear. So I want you just to receive this word today and, and just begin to, um, to meditate upon Scripture. Just like, I hate to, hate to use this uh, picture, but just like an old cow, just begin to take the word of God in and just begin to chew on it and meditate upon it. Just let it saturate your whole being. Uh, uh, when you have some free time, begin to think about it again. Sing songs that declare the magnitude and the greatness of God, how big God is, how great he is, how all-powerful he is. And as you do that, your faith begins to rise. And that's what we want. We want our faith to rise. Because as our faith rises, our fear decreases and we begin to please God like never before. Let's sing this song, and I'll be back to close. Wow.
God. Thank God that we're children of God. We're children of the Most High God. We're no longer a slave to fear. Amen. God has shown his power to us over and over again, and we're no longer a slave to fear. We're a child of God. I just want to encourage you with that message today. Encourage you to be full of faith. Take time to, to declare the word of God over your life. Take time to declare like you could sing this song. What a powerful song that God opened the Red Sea, that God brought the children of Israel through. If God did that for them under the old covenant, he certainly will make a way for you and I. Amen. And we have nothing to fear. And and that's why I just want to encourage you. Let me just pray for you today as we close this broadcast out. Lord, I just thank you for your people today. I just thank you, God, that every single one of them is is a child of God, that they are loved by you, that you care about them, that you watch over them, your eyes are over them, your eyes are over the righteous. We just pray, God, that you would speak to them out of this message, speak to them out of your word. Let them begin to declare what you say about them. Let them declare that over their lives, that they are a child of God. They're no longer a slave to fear. I just pray you bless them and give them an amazing week filled with the blessings of God. God, we just pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Well, we miss you all. We'll see you again soon. But, but God bless you. Pray, just believe you that you're going to have a great week and that you're going to be uh, experiencing God this week like never before. God bless you all. Amen.